Welcome to the Reinventing the Tattoo Community. This is uh, live in the Castro with Haley Adams and uh, Britt. Oh, shit. What's your last name? <laughs> Abad. <laughs> Abad. And uh, the, again, straight from the Castro, it's always uh, an amazing time. Fantastic stories. You are in for a roller coaster of a ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, this is, like I said, this is Reinventing the Tattoo Community. You could download the app in the App Store, either of the App Stores, or go straight to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. And as always, we want to thank IHSN for creating a community where it's really dedicated for artists to be inspiring each other, uh, sharing their stories. We have discussion panels. And yeah, it's uh, there, there's, you know, almost no politics or food pictures. It's like all real, honest art and inspiration. And the goal, like I said, the goal is, uh, for everybody to become better artists. Uh, there's open art jams and drawing groups that we encourage people to join in. Um, Guy is always uh, encouraging everybody. He loves community and wants to bring everybody together. So um, as this is beaming out through the networks, I am going to let everyone know about some of our other upcoming events. And to do that, I'm going to screen share the, the community. So if you download the app or go to the website, then this is what you will see. And the schedule here is the first link, which is one of the main pillars of the reinventing community. And you'll see we have our regular shows. So get ready. Thursdays at noon, we have the Tattoo Collecting Podcast with Jordan Rukas and Fawn Baker, where they interview uh, amazing tattoo collectors that, you know, uh, every time they send over the pictures for us to show, it's slamming tattoos. It really is spectacular. And you get to hear from tattoo collectors' pod, uh, perspectives. We have drawing groups at uh, with Jason Lesser at one o'clock every one o'clock uh, afternoon on Sundays. Uh, all these times are Eastern Standard Time, just for uh, convenience sake, I guess. Uh, and then nine o'clock in the morning, we've got Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network leads a drawing group. And again, these are uh, streams where people are encouraged to beam in. And sometimes we'll have you know four to eight people drawing from all around the world at the same time. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, Monday night, uh, this Monday night, February 22nd at 7 o'clock, we have uh, a live paint jam with Renee Little from uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, she's a, a sick uh, tattoo shop owner and artist and uh, tattooer. And every time she has a paint jam, it's always, well, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, let's see, Tuesdays at 10 o'clock, we have How to Build a Paul Rogers Style Tattoo Machine with Tony Urbanic. It's eight two-hour webinar, hour and a half, two-hour webinars where you get an ingredients list and you build a, a tattoo machine by hand. Uh, he's not using his power tools, or he's using as few power tools as possible. You'll see him fucking filing that shit away. It's unbelievable watching him put it together. And the, the tattooers who are building along with him are having, it's amazing, We're, they're, they're building fucking tattoo machines before your very eyes. Okay, what else we have here? Uh, art Jam, so the first Wednesday of the month, uh, coming up March 3rd at one o'clock, is an Art Jam with Stefano Fabridi. Everyone's speaking Italian, so uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, like, as you see, we have so many events coming up that it's a, it's a little out of control. You could always find the replays here in the library. And we've got videos. And here we go. So this is the Tattoo Collecting Podcast show where guys interviewing all sorts of people. We've got discussion panels, the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. Let's talk tattoo with Mark from Needle Jig, the history of tattoo conventions. If you're missing tattoo conventions, uh, Alex from the WorldTattooEvents.com is interviewing convention promoters. So it gives us a little bit of the fix. Here's a drunk critique. Uh, the last one in here is a nine hour holiday special. Actually just got written up in Tattoo Society. So go 
pick up your issue of Tattoo Society this month. You should pick, you should pick up every issue. It's always great. Um, and yeah, we had the replays of the, the Live in the Castro. Uh, Ace was the last one, Leslie the, the first one, and you could always catch the replays there. Uh, I do want to plug our sponsors because they help make this free. And we've got Inkjet Stencils has a full, a couple webinars. They've got videos here of Andre Malcolm printing out a full back piece. I don't know if uh, anybody's seen this yet, but um, he's got a, this set of, it's a full back piece here. Now they have uh, setups for regular size printers so that uh, you could print out your regular size stencils for it. And I'll, they also have a setup where you can send in your images and they will give you five free samples. So if you check out the, the instructions here, it's inkjetstencils at gmail.com, but you want to check out this and uh, treat out your images, but uh, you can test it out. And it, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of tattoo shops that are making the conversion over. It's pretty cool. And then the other sponsor that I want to plug on this uh, is uh, Loose Screw Tattoo. Jesse Smith has a, a sick tattoo shop in Richmond, Virginia. And they're looking for artists. They're, it's a wicked busy shop. You know, of course, you want to bring a bit of your clientele. You definitely want to bring your skills. He's looking for somebody that's relatively diverse, uh, color and black and gray. And uh, yeah, check this out. Uh, health, dental, 401k, paid vacations. Okay, uh, it's it's pretty awesome. And Jesse is uh, he's an artist, so he's uh, got both perspectives: the business owner perspective and the artist perspective. But but for real, this is an amazing opportunity, you know, for residents or guests if you want to uh, do a guest spot there. But um, yeah, as far as uh, advancing yourself in the tattoo world, Jesse is an amazing person to be learning from, and the whole crew there is pretty sick. Uh, yeah, well, there we go. If you have any questions or comments, then throw them up in the chat room and they'll we'll get, maybe get read right off at the end. But for now, I think that, oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> I should be plugging a uh, guy's course. Uh, if you go to courses.reinventingthetattoo.com, uh, you can't learn how to tattoo online, obviously, but these courses will help you tattoo better. And the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon is, uh, it's $300 a year and it, you get the full course. So check all this out. Well, for one, you get, a, there's, you could try it out for free. The first uh, introduction you can sign up and try for free, but these, uh, he's got his full book in here. There's guest, uh, guest chapters, Russ and Steve Butcher. Uh, it's out of control. The, the Canon has helped thousands of tattooers go from, you know, being pretty good to being goddamn good. Um, so there you go. It's uh, uh, reinvent uh, courses.reinventingthetattoo.com. And uh, there's also, we've got uh, webinars from Bob Tyrell. This is a, a 10 hour black and gray epic. Uh, BJ Betts's lettering, Jeff Gogway tattooing guy's hand, Marcus Leonard explaining what biomic is. And if you are interested in any of your ex online learning, then uh, yeah, check it out. And I am now going to, I'm very thankful. This is awesome. Uh, very excited. Thank you, Haley, for having the show and making it happen uh, once a month, it seems. And uh, yeah, I'm going to pop in the background here. And. Uh, hi, I'm Haley Adams. I'm here with Brittany Abad. Brittany is a tattooer, lives in Portland, Oregon. She has an erotic and body positive art style, which has unexpected led to educating and representing a lot of queers with their beautiful and powerful artwork. Um, we will definitely be doing like a Q&A at the end. 
Um, hang on. Gabe, is your view um, set up for speaker view? You are on. Okay. Mine is like small. Okay. Cool. So, so uh, everyone, uh, you control your own view. Ah, cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, it didn't change. But anyways, um, so how are you doing today, Britt? Good. <laughs> Excited <laughs> to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. Skated a lot today to work out my nerves to like speak. <laughs> yeah, <properly>. right. <laughs> Always the beginning. So it'll be a little shaky. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> Give us five minutes, everyone. We'll be fine. We'll get yeah, yeah. this. We'll remember uh, how to talk and all that. Good <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are originally from San Jose. Uh, what was life like before you got into tattooing? Um, so I've talked about this on my Instagram before, but my dad is an artist. Um so that's kind of like how I got my intro to art, but him and I don't get along. So like my entire life growing up, I tried to do everything that wasn't art. Um, so I went to university. I have a degree in psychology, studied biology. Um, before I moved to Portland, I actually worked at a genetic testing company. So it was very, <laughs> very Damn. different from tattooing. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much what, like What do you have to do thing. with that, with your genetic testing? Uh, so oh clinical data reporter for a company that did prenatal chromosomal abnormality testing. Um, so I would just like look at blood samples, look at like reports and like data and like make sure that everything's like accurate and like the test was like- So do you already like, have a biology degree? I did. So at that time when I worked at that company, I was actually enrolled in a master's program. Um, it was like the summer before I moved to Portland that I decided to just like withdraw my enrollment and then quit my job and then just like moved here and was kind of just like we'll wing it see what happens um I didn't even have like the intention or the idea ever that I would tattoo even like when I moved here it was kind of just like the Bay Area is so expensive I need to get out of here so as soon as that company let me work mobile I just like took all of that and just came to Portland just kind of like took the jump and was going to see like what happened and then tattooing ended up happening, which is like super crazy. How did that happen? So when I took that job over here, I was in a new city. I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends and I was working from home and I was like, this is like the worst idea ever. Like, how am I going to have like a social life or like do anything? And at that time I actually didn't have an Instagram. Um, I just like was, weirdly living off the grid for a while. I thought it was like so cool and like innovative to like not be on social media. Um, but anyways, I made like an Instagram and then I started just like posting all these like doodles and it was all like scrap paper, like corner of my like notebook, like binder paper doodles. Um, but that actually like, it kind of took off and there's this artist in Portland that I was like a huge fan of that I admired before I even moved to Portland who messaged me and was like, hey, did you come to Portland like to get into tattooing? And I was just like, no, like this is like so random. Why is this like tattoo artist asking me this? Um, <laughs> and then she just said like, you know, your art's like really cool and it like would translate well into tattoos. And I never thought about it before. I had always been like a fan of getting tattoos. I had like a couple at that point. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of like started talking to her more about it and like learning that in Oregon, you have to go to tattoo school in order to tattoo. Um, so she kind of just like told me about like how that kind of system works, how much it costs, all of that. 
And then I ended up going to an interview at like the closest tattoo school that I live um, like nearby. And then was there really a, did you like hear about tattooing before? And uh, like you knew about like apprenticeships and stuff like that. Um, like, and you've heard like the stories about them, right? Like, yeah, so that artist actually, like, when we started talking, she was the one who told me that she had tried to find an apprenticeship in Denver, but just, like, had all kinds of, like, horrible experiences. Um, she mentioned that, like, one of the, like, bigger shops that she tried to approach for apprenticeship did her favor by writing her a list of shops not to go try for an apprenticeship for because they have, like, abusers there or, like, weird things going on. Um, shops that he thought like take advantage of their apprentices and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so the fact that like that was just like a thing like it was like a a gift to her was just yeah. like shocking it was like it was here's like, the <laughs> list of uh yeah shitty people to avoid places and it's to like avoid, it's, it's yeah. probably like a lot of tattoo shops on there as we've heard yeah, from these so. other interviews where like everybody's had like these um they're like queer or women or whatever they have like uh some pretty strange experiences with the apprenticeship so I was uh wondering if that was like one of your driving forces of being like you know what I'm just gonna do the tattoo school thing <laughs> like <'cause laughs> yeah. it does like kind of break down a barrier there right where it's like oh for like sure they're not gonna yeah. turn you down it's not gatekeeping it's just like no you show up and yeah we'll see what we got you know which is good and bad because I mean they will accept people who have like no artistic experience or who don't have like the kind of business drive and social skills to actually succeed in tattooing because there's like so much that you cannot learn from like tattoo school for like reading Absolutely. a book or something like that you have to kind of like work in a shop um and I feel the same way about people who graduate from tattoo school and then go and open a private studio without working in another shop or with like uh, yeah. other experienced artists who have been in the industry and kind of like at least learn about that or the history or like how apprenticeships normally go. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's good, but it's also easy to just completely bypass like all of that kind of knowledge, which is like super, super valuable. Don't you um, think that those kind of like those people who don't have like the art ability or like the technical side or like the the insight to business don't they just like kind of fall off like it's like you can line up like 20 people they all go to tattoo school but only like five actually got it you know to like be a tattoo yeah to, like, it's it's so bad because there's like laws about how many instructors or like kind of like teachers they have at the school compared to how many students they will take on but I feel like every school in Oregon kind of like bends that. So like yeah. when I went, I think my class or like class or whatever had like, I think like nine or 10 people. And out of those, I think three of us are still actually tattooing in a licensed shop and like have our updated licenses and like doing all that. So there's like a bunch of people I know who like as soon as they graduated just kind of fell off, like didn't go find a shop to work at or didn't know how to get into a shop, didn't like talk to people, network, or make friends, like, actually in the industry, or, like, with people who are already existing professionals, um, so, yeah, it's kind of sad, because tattoo school is so expensive, it's, like, I think it was, like, 10,500 when I went, and that was, like, one of the cheaper schools, there's some that were, like, 12 grand or more, and everybody has to go in Portland, right, like, that's, like, the law it's there, the like, law, how you get your license, 
yeah that's pretty mm-hmm. wild that you have to pay that like even if you have like this experience you know you still yeah, if you it. like were a tattooer in another state and you come yeah. over and try and like um get your license here you have to have I think it's like three or five years of like uh tax information to prove that you've been like a licensed tattooer in that state but even then you have to apply for the license you have to like take the state test which is going to be super difficult because on the state test it's a lot of like Oregon and Portland specific laws um, oh yeah so it's kind of like how are you really going to like find out that information it's like very specific it's kind of that, like that information hard. is really hard to find like trying to look up the laws on tattooing you, you have yeah. to go through like pages and pages of documents I've had exactly. to like, go it's through that before yeah. yeah and like the like the board who writes the test um it's like I don't know how to explain it's like you can have a tattoo studio in the same building or space as like a salon um so there's questions on the like test about like salon chemicals and things like that which is completely unrelated to tattooing but it's very just like organ law specific so again <laughs> like how are you gonna know this stuff without going through tattoo school so it's like I don't know it's kind of annoying but at the same time we do le- learn things in tattoo school like skin health dermatology um like types of skin like things that you can tattoo over or that you shouldn't tattoo over did they teach you about like skin tones like tattooing on different skin tones no which that seems like that should be like definitely part of the curriculum yeah I think hopefully like I feel like especially with this year and like this past year um a lot more information online has been created regarding how to tattoo skin tones and like hopefully they'll figure out a way to like implement that into the school system but I kind of feel like the people who run the tattoo schools don't really care about tattooing. It's, it's definitely like just trying to make money. Yeah. I mean, imagine like if you have like three or four classes like per year and every student is paying like 10 plus grand, like it's, it's a lot of money. (laughs) Do the teachers tattoo? Like, do they even have time to tattoo or they just like, not really. (laughs) Like, I got a it's lot of tattoo like school questions thing, like, like what is how I feel you know like those who can't like tattoo and make it open a school it's like a like, football coach kind of thing yeah exactly yeah, you can play. It's very much like that and like yeah it's <laughs> like they're teaching a school they don't really have enough time to like tattoo so it's like they're also not updated on like what's new and like what's happening in the like social media sphere like different tattooing techniques oh, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that's what I was thinking about is um okay after you got out of tattoo school you did go work at a shop and then did you feel like I know we talked about it a little bit before but like about how like you weren't doing like the the queer like erotic tattooing because it was like oh that might not sell but then you like went for it anyways right or like that might that's not what tattoos look like right yeah I oh my gosh I definitely had this huge phase of like why do my tattoos not look like tattoos and it was because (laughs) instructors and like the older tattoo people that I was around just kind of like like drilled it into me that like the queer community is such a small like niche like if I want to succeed in tattooing I need to draw stuff that's more universal to everybody I'm going to Um, share my screen. Uh, So I definitely had a phase of just drawing like skulls and daggers and like very traditional tattoo artwork. Um, But it didn't make me happy. I didn't like it. It wasn't fun. Um, So I kind of like would do that 
for like my tattoo drawings and then draw all this like erotic fun stuff in my free time but I would post all of it on Instagram anyways and it just turned out that this is like the kind of stuff that was like way more popular and I guess because not a lot of people are doing it um and not a lot of people make like queer centered art and like art for that kind of like community so I don't know I had like a niche to fill and it actually like worked out really well yeah you kind of had a um I don't know like a burst of a following like people were like looking at it for education I know when I first saw it I know I didn't know that we had talked on like email before when you're a little tattercut um, <laughs> so <funny. laughs> but when I first saw it I was like oh yes this is this is like what we do or like this is like this is what sex looks like and like I hadn't seen any other like imagery um that pertained to like my life right so I was like immediately like oh my god this is amazing this is beautiful you know and there is like the romance aspect which um I know you talk about uh with the with your only fans and stuff and I'm like it's just beautiful but then you start being like really interactive with people too that too and I think about this a lot because like before tattooing like how I had emailed you um mm -hmm. just like ages ago wasn't like super seriously thinking about like getting into tattooing or any of that just kind of like asking for information but like you replied to me and that was like super super cool and like this happens all the time where I feel people reach out to like artists and then they have this like untouchable persona where they don't respond like don't respond to dms don't like interact with their audience yeah um, and it makes it scary it makes it scary to like get into this stuff like you can see somebody's art and be like wow that's like really really cool but if you can't connect with the person who makes it there's still that disconnect and you don't feel like as safe in that space like acknowledging or appreciating this kind of thing so yeah I don't know I I like to reserve my dms specifically to have like conversations that's like the main reason why I don't take like tattoo bookings over dms is because yeah. I do get a lot of like really personalized messages or like responses to like my instagram questions and I like having those conversations and it's just like it's crazy because I know like a lot of people don't have an outlet or don't have queer friends or live in a place where it's like not okay to talk about this stuff and if I'm like their outlet or the one person that they can and feel safe like connecting to and talking about this stuff I'll do it and it's like it's super cool I don't know it I mean they're seeing a queer person like um you're from the bay area so you're like used to it but I don't know I'm from like North Carolina and like to see like <laughs> any like queer person just putting themselves out there and be like yeah I'm just doing my thing and like this is beautiful yes. it's like oh whoa like, oh my god like you're so brave you're so bold and it's like well we live in a bubble but yeah yeah I know right <laughs> like actually Portland and the Bay Area is a little bit of a bubble but yeah totally. it is super cool I wish like when I was growing up when I had access to social media so I could see like what other people were doing but like mostly queer representation because like that stuff was so hard to navigate growing up like especially I feel like I've learned so much about myself and like my sexuality and all that in the past like two three years mm -hmm. from tattooing and just like how that's branched out into like educating myself about all these other things and then I take that I draw something about it and then I post it for the masses and then they can relate to it however it works for them which is really cool yeah I think that's amazing <laughs> um, I think it was like your art was definitely needed in the tattoo community um, yeah, it's been fun <laughs>
Um, so your OnlyFans. <laughs> so. How'd you get into that? And was it like a COVID situation? And what um. do you put on there? <laughs> I've only seen like clips of stories, but I'm like, it looks like really sweet, you know, like also oh. like, like romantic, like with your boo and stuff. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's cool. I I had like known about OnlyFans for a while and I had made an account, but I was too scared to post on it for like a long time. Like I was definitely sitting on it just kind of like, I don't know if I should like actually do it or like whatever. Um, until I started dating my current girlfriend, because uh, she's been on OnlyFans. That's like her primary job. That's like all she does for a job now. She makes like a living income from it. Um, but after we started dating, she kind of just like convinced me to like, do it like it's a fun time um like you learn more about yourself it's like a great confidence booster you can connect with people on like a different level and so I like started in COVID mostly because I like completely stopped tattooing when everything shut down so I had the time to like really think about it and like take pictures that I felt good about I didn't have the pressure yet at that point like at the start of COVID to like make money so I was like in this like kind of like weird comfortable spot to just like start exploring that stuff um but like honestly just like seeing the kind of content that she posted um how just, long like, had she been doing it before before I think she started like last winter so maybe like six to eight months she had been on it before we got together I think mm -hmm. um but yeah it was just like it was really cool to see like what she was doing and like just like how much money she could make um by investing in that and like just working hard at it so it was yeah it was super cool to have her kind of like help ease me into it and I think that is also a big part of why it has like that romantic lens because <laughs> it's like it was like my relationship that kind of like launched that and like started the whole OnlyFans thing um so yeah like I post content that's like solo content um it's like more from like my like masculine perspective but then also when I make content with her I'll like be in the opposite role and then she'll be like more dominant and just like I don't know exploring like both roles like with her and without her has been like really really good and really cool for my own like self-exploration and then with that I branched out into like following other sex workers like on Twitter and then subscribing to their OnlyFans and that's mostly how I gain like inspiration for content and also just asking like Instagram questions and kind of seeing like, oh, what are people interested in? What do you want to see from me? Or what do you want me to like talk more about? Yeah. Um, Cause there's been times where I like had been asked on Instagram about certain kinks or whatever that I was never into or like never explored before. And just like seeing that question made me think like, hmm, maybe I'll just like try this out or like bring it up with my girlfriend. We That's awesome. It. That's like pulling something out of a hat. It's like, all right, what are we going to do today? And it is. Yeah, it is very much like that. Like so many ideas and just like things that I've never heard of, never seen like on the Internet or whatever, um, which is really cool. And that's like another way that I like branch from Instagram and just like the tattooing and all of that into like OnlyFans and then that has like made me discover all kinds of other sexual things that again I like draw about and I talk about and I post about and it just like it goes back and forth so it's like I don't know I feel like being on OnlyFans honestly has like improved my art and just like expanded the kind of stuff that I draw 
um especially like in that like queer lens because you're yeah. mostly drawing like the new things that you learn about too right mm -hmm. that's like a big part of it yeah that would definitely help uh how did you like okay if you go on OnlyFans how are you like oh for sure this is gonna stay pretty queer like my following like what what it, I don't know like I would think that like like my like worry that it would be like like how do I get a queer audience you know I feel like well because in uh OnlyFans itself doesn't have any kind of like search engine or like way to like browse people or like the kind right. of content that they have because it's all private until you subscribe you have to promote it on your other social media Oh. Um, so the only way that I've gained an audience from OnlyFans has been from Instagram and from Twitter. Um, so it's like pretty much everybody I feel like who is on my OnlyFans or like subscribed to me comes from Instagram. So they already know like who I am, the kind of art that I do, the kind of stuff that I talk about. Um, and then that just like goes over to my OnlyFans following. Um, and it was like super interesting when I first started because I expected all of my like subscribers just to be like queer women or whatever. Cause I feel like, you know, my art is like a little bit more feminine or like from that angle. Um, but it like, I feel like there's a lot of like cis pet men on my OnlyFans. And I think part of that also is because they are like um, discovering their queerness and kind of like interested in exploring all of that. And again, because I've created this like safe sexual space on Instagram they go on my OnlyFans and they'll ask me for like specific content or like ask me questions. Even on my OnlyFans, I get like really personalized questions about like, oh, I'm like curious about this and this, like, you know, they want more information or like some advice or something. Um, so yeah, it's all just interconnected, but it all comes from Instagram. I think everything starts with like my Instagram following. That's awesome. I didn't know that it didn't have any search engines or anything either. But that was definitely something I was like thinking about. Like, how how did you get like such a solid queer following? Like, I know how you did with your tattoos. Um, Gabe said I have to slow down and uh, show you show my, these tattoos off more. Do you have a favorite tattoo <laughs> lately? Um, I, I did this one tattoo. It's like up at the, the top, top. One of the first. It's like a devil girl lifting her shirt up but that was one of my favorites that I've done oh yeah this one is so yeah I do love that one just like very simple cheeky and it is erotic but I don't know a lot of people have told me that this one is just like super cute which I I like I like it is doing erotica cute. from that lens it's not like misogynistic it's not creepy or like you know right exploitive or anything like that yeah, there's some pretty, like, creepy um, erotic tattoos out there for sure. Like, this always seems like, oh, sweet, and, like, also cute to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just saw you posted this one, and it looks different from your other stuff, but I was like, I don't know, it just looks beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> colors on it. That too. I feel like I'm an artist who gets so bored with, like, drawing styles or, like, themes that I always end up cycling through them. Um it was like also interesting because I noticed for a while I started I stopped drawing with color and I think it was like 
COVID and like quarantine and like winter and fall just kind of like drew that out of me and I stopped using yeah. that and then now that like spring's happening like the sun's coming back out I'm like yes let's do more florals and color and like cute things but <laughs> the depression cute. of like the Portland no sun and everything <laughs> yeah, you're like seriously. the colors are dead <laughs> and so am I <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful um, what I really wanted to do with you, if anybody has any questions in the Q&A, I would love to go through questions because I feel like that's kind of your thing. Um, <laughs> I, I could have warned people first a little more. There, there are um, a couple comments. Um, do you want me to read them? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't see them anyways. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm done for you to read them. Okay, so uh, Nakobe uh, says there are some rad tattoo artists that are contributing to the anti-racism BLM movement protests with their art and really doing active community care via the summer protesting and beautiful protest art. Have you contributed to this movement in any direct way? I have. Um, I think I did like two or three posters um, and fundraisers at the beginning of that, but also it's Do you not a poster. Huh? You have posters on your uh, yeah it was I think in back in June or July um that was when I wasn't tattooing and I was actively going to the protests um but yeah even then I donate monthly and I offer free tattoos for BIPOC I've been offering that since last summer um so during the summer like when I did start tattooing again I was doing um one every other day um, right now, comfortably, I could do one a week or yeah, one a week. So it's like four a month. Um, but yeah, I want to continue doing that for as long as I can. That's um, pretty amazing for um, the Portland area too, because there's like, I know that there's been like a lot of like white supremacist rallies and stuff. And it's yeah, like, it's, uh, like, oh, free tattoo, man, take a stress reliever out of Portland, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like the bigger thing with changing that in the tattoo industry is just like getting more BIPOC to get tattoos, just having more information online, like on my highlights, on my story of just like how to tattoo different skin tones, um, like how to adjust colors, all of that color theory, changing line weights and things like that. Like we talked about earlier, how they don't teach any of that in tattoo schools, right. but they should. Um, I know a lot of my artist friends are posting a lot more information on that and also even like how to photograph tattoos on different skin tones because that's like a whole art in itself. Um, yeah, that's real. Tattoo yeah. school should really hook that up if that's what they're doing. But also I can see the community pulling together to try to like educate each other on that. Yeah. I think that is way good. more valuable than just a lot like, more effective. any kind yeah. of like institution <laughs> to do it because it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen fast no. enough. Yeah. Um, I feel like Instagram is such a great source for that and like just the the dialogue that's happening right now in like the tattoo community especially like the queer and like female centered community with tattooing that has like changed in like the past couple of years. I feel like that's where a lot of the dialogue is like beginning and like starting so. It's an ongoing process, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully like more apprenticeships for BIPOC people. That's what I'm trying to like open my doors up for. Just yeah, get get sure. more of the tattoo artists, less gatekeeping, right? Like yeah. Of just like super crazy. I think it was like my second tattoo ever. I was in the shop in San Jose. I don't even remember the name. It was just like some shop my dad took me to when I was like 18. 
Um, and the artist was like an Asian tattoo artist, but he was like talking to me about how I should not get color tattoos because it'll look better if they're just black ink and like all of this. And I don't even consider myself like dark skin. So like hearing that was just like super shocking. And for the longest time, I didn't get any color tattoos at all until I moved to Portland, started tattooing, had a friend who did color tattoos, got a color tattoo from him. And I was like, this looks amazing. Like, it looks so cool. I think so there's definitely like two things whenever somebody says like, oh, like because of your skin tone, you can't get color. I think it's definitely like one, you're racist. Two, you don't know how to tattoo. Like yeah. if you can only <laughs> tattoo white people, like what are you it's doing? Crazy. Like, yeah. Oh God, I know. I see that shit everywhere. And it's just like, having gone through that too as like an 18 year old that's why like my first tattoo like it was kind of traumatizing and I like know that there's so many other people who have had worse experiences it can close um, you off little experiences like that can close you off to the whole like tattoo yeah for, from getting or, like going into so shops long. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah like, scared they're gonna say something weird yeah <laughs> Which also, I love that on Instagram, you can find artists who are friendly and who know all this stuff, who know how to tattoo, who share this information, actually care about learning this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have to just like put the pressure on walking into a shop and just like, fingers crossed, they're cool. And you know, yeah, we're just going to wing it. Yeah, like that's so nerve wracking. So I'm glad that, yeah, we have this kind of social media way of like getting that information out. Getting to know people's personalities. Oh, go for it, Abe. I was going to say it is worth noting that on the um, Reinventing app, there is a discussion panel for uh, dark tattooing on dark skin. Uh, We had about a half a dozen uh, tattooers on there, all talking about their experiences and dispelling all the stupid myths and and whatnot. Um, That's cool. I want to check that out. uh, Real quick, uh, 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 there was a question that came in about the tattoo schools uh, from uh, Taylor Chapman. Is there any sort of program between the schools and shops to help graduates find a shop to work in after graduating? Unfortunately, there isn't. Um, And again, that's kind of like the part where some people just end up dropping off after tattoo school. Um, The shop that I started working at after I got my tattooing license and like graduated tattoo school, um, the artist who messaged me um, like before I started tattooing and like kind of persuaded me to like get into tattooing. It was a shop that she worked at and they happened to be hiring an artist like when I got out. And so I just like directly walked over and just like applied and tried for the spot. Um, But again, even that, I feel like it was so much easier because I had spent my time getting tattooed by these artists um, and just kind of like like collecting art. Yeah, and just, yeah, networking is just like so, so important. This is like what I recommend to everybody when you're in tattoo school to get tattoos by artists that you admire. Um, talk to them, like be, become friends with them. Um, even like in this like pandemic world, it doesn't necessarily have to be in person, but you can be a friend with somebody online by like uh, supporting their art, replying to them, talking to them, all of that. It's like, all of that is just like very, very valuable. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to put in a lot of like your own work in order to like have those doors open for you. Yeah, that's definitely what we tell people looking for an apprenticeship too. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. how do I get into this? Like, get tattooed, get tattooed by your favorite people, meet those people, you know? I know, and that's not just for, like, getting into shops, but, like, you can learn so much just by getting tattooed by other artists and, like, watching what they do, watching what kind of equipment they use or, like, what kind of inks they use and, like, all of these things. It's so much, like, so important. 
I still do that whenever I get tattooed. I, like, choose, like, my favorite artist. I get my last one of those by, like, Ty McEwen. And uh, just so I could, like, creep on it and be like, oh, that texture. Oh, how are you doing that? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like a life learning thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Even, like, what vault are you using? Or, like, how are you doing that? Did you, like, turn your machine down? All of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about um, using, like, multiple different tones of white. Mm-hmm. Who does that? No. It works. Makes a difference. (laughs) Okay, so another comment and question. Uh, Elizabeth says, uh, Portland has a rich history of being a sex worker city for years. How do you feel about people who see OnlyFans as gentrified? Uh, That is, like, what what is your opinion on this uh, with going between the tattoo world and sex work? I guess it might be two questions. How do you feel about people who see OnlyFans as uh, gentrified? And then what is your opinion on this with going between tattoo world and sex work? I guess the reason why I have kind of a biased opinion on that is because I know a lot of uh, sex workers who were sex workers like at the strip clubs and stuff in Portland who transitioned over to OnlyFans during the pandemic um, because it is a good safe way to kind of continue to do that stuff from the comfort of your own home without having people in your proximity. Um, yeah, I don't There's know. It's a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like the time is just like, it is good for OnlyFans because of the world that we're living in right now. Um, I do see like the gentrification of it when it comes to like celebrities and stuff being on OnlyFans because that just like completely tips the scales and it's just like they're, audiences are just like so greater than like a regular like sex worker or whatever like a local sex worker um so there's like issues with it because it's just like anybody can do it um and it's glorified online as like oh it's like so easy to like gain like a following um but that's because these people have like an instagram following because there's no search platform on OnlyFans. so it's like I don't know. It's kind of 50-50, I guess. I guess, yeah, that does make it weird. I didn't think of that as, like, a bad thing necessarily, but, like, you literally have to have a strong social media following. Yeah, either that or knowing how to kind of promote on social media or being very consistent and persistent about it, which is not, like, easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, like, weird... Because, like, I don't know, I feel weird sometimes where I'm constantly posting, like, on my Twitter, like, promoting my OnlyFans, and I'm like, oh, the friends that I have on Twitter are, like, so sick of seeing this because it's like, <laughs> link over and over again, but then it's just, like, every time there's, like, maybe one or two new people who are going to see it, um, and then there's value in that. So, again, it's, like, hard because if you have a social media following and you get on OnlyFans, you're going to make money instantly compared to somebody who doesn't have a social media fan. And that's the way it's kind of, um, it's like an advantage. Like it is an advantage. So yeah, I do see where and it is. I feel like the other platforms before for sex work was like Craigslist, you know, personals and stuff like that. And then it all gets ripped out. It all got like, you know. So then it's yeah, like, just oh, like killed everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it, it sucks like how much OnlyFans takes out of what you earn, like for use of the platform. Um, How much do they take out? 20%, which is 
I mean, it's kind of a lot, like, yeah, overall, when, you know, you're making, like, trying to make, like, a living wage on it, um, it is, like, a lot of money, but you're also paying for, like, the use of the platform, how streamlined it is, how easy it is to, like, go on live and, like, get tipped and, like, all of these other features, like, it is useful. Um, yeah, that's not the worst percentage. I thought you were going to say something like 40%, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then it's 20 percent, and you still have to pay taxes on what you make so it is probably 30 percent of all your money yeah so it ends up being more so it is kind of shitty um but again it's a useful tool for a lot of people especially people who don't feel comfortable doing sex work in person or you know like physically can't or whatever the case is um and yeah again like a, a lot of the sex workers i know in portland have invested a lot in their online like um profile or like instagram before OnlyFans was even a thing um so a lot of them can get on OnlyFans and like be this online sex worker to people all over the world or all over the u.s not just in portland um so it also expands their ability to make money like more money in addition to what they already make um doing like stripping and stuff like that so again, it's like a double-edged sword. There's like so many great things that are, that have come because of OnlyFans um, and also like the legal protections against like revenge porn and like fraud, like somebody making like a fake account and like selling your nudes and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot of downsides to it too. Oh, how would people, do- Never mind. I'm not gonna get into that. I was like, how do you, you just steal people's images, make a whole nother OnlyFans and then- I, I see Twitters um, doing this, like a Ooh. Twitter will pop up being like a fake, version of like a sex worker that I know and they'll be like you know Venmo me DM for like nudes and whatever and like pay me through PayPal and then it's just like a fake account they're just like stealing somebody else's like OnlyFans pictures like you can get sued for that that's Um, pretty wild yeah Gabe what was the second part of that question Gabe the second part was uh what is your opinion with going between the tattoo world and sex work it's like having a foot in both worlds uh like my opinion well hmm. so far it's like really helped you out right like it's yeah been like the I stuff you've both... learned from the sex work has gotten to go to your art which goes to us you know like <laughs> yeah i feel like it's just this like back and forth like relationship again because like i'll be on instagram asking questions i like learn about these new things or even like terminology new kinks new things um and then i'll go explore it like with my girlfriend or in my free time by myself do that on OnlyFans, and then i'll receive feedback on OnlyFans. like people will be like oh i like this kind of stuff or like have you ever done this and then i go back to instagram and then i like draw about it and then i post about it and i talk about it and then it just it keeps going back and forth um which <laughs> I, I there's love. not a lot of tattoo artists who could pull that off <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. It's like just I do I yeah I feel so blessed that like just the art kind of themes and stuff that I ended up sticking to just lended itself to this and just didn't get talked out of it nobody (laughs) you didn't like stick to the idea of like oh you need to draw more roses just for or like you need daggers where are the daggers sometimes like what would I be doing if I was still just drawing skulls I don't know (laughs) my life would not be as fulfilled as it is it's been such a good time like I'm so thankful that I get to do this that's awesome. Um, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I've got. A, there's a couple more in here. Uh, I guess one of the questions that I have is, uh, how do you deal with trolls? And I say this because we've got one. Of your, 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm so I, glad I, I can't I, see the chat ever. Right. I'm like just <laughs> wild. Uh, trolls like on uh, Instagram or OnlyFans or both. Yeah, or YouTube, or, or I guess Instagram was one of the, uh, or just in general, right? I mean, right now we have them on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, let's just, like, we'll just ignore them. Ignore I, mean, I don't do it's anything. Right? Awesome. <laughs> I, it sounds I boring. <laughs> it is. Uh, so let's see. So, uh, Nicobia uh, is saying, um, I agree with the last person. Oh, this was uh, a couple, 20 minutes ago, maybe. But I agree with the last person. Do you feel like sex workers who are on OnlyFans since the strip clubs are closed resonate with your tattoos? Uh, I'm not sure what that means, like, resonate yeah. with my tattoos. Because not, like, strip, stripping isn't, like, the subject matter. It's just erotica and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I would say, like, I guess some. I've tattooed, like, a bunch of strippers in Portland. Um, I mean, maybe just, like, the sexual freedom and, like, being unapologetically ourselves. I think people can, like, resonate with that. Um, but I would say it's completely not limited to sex workers. I tattoo all kinds of people in like every industry. I think it's something that a lot of us kind of can get along with. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of the same interests, even though we do all these different things for work or like have a different outward expression of ourselves. Um, but you know, not all people get tattoos to show them off either. Sometimes it's more just like for the self, for how people feel about themselves. Um, so yeah, I would say it's like some sex, sex workers might resonate with it, but hopefully everybody <laughs> can resonate to something that I draw <laughs> and all the stuff that I draw. Like a lot of people uh, have sex and have romance. Yeah. That's the relatable <laughs> aspect there. <laughs> okay, let me, uh, I've got uh, one more here. Uh, so, uh, do you have, okay, I guess the, the way to talk about it. Do you have any issues getting deleted from IG or are there sex workers who get deleted? I mean, obviously, you're you going to be a in a position. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that <laughs> thing is super weird. And I feel weird about it because I regularly get reported. I've been reported for sharing like a picture that was like on Vogue Italy, like it was on their actual page. I shared it on my story and then I got reported and it was taken down from my story for like nudity or whatever. Um, and I'm constantly like, tomorrow it's gonna happen. I'm gonna get nipped in the bud, but I haven't been deleted yet. Um, and I know sex workers and other people have had their profiles deleted after being reported like once or twice. Um, so I feel like there's definitely something going on there where I'm probably not getting deleted because of the size of my profile, um, which is what, you know, it's that, like- we Do about, they do that? I, I like, don't They know. like keep you around if you're like highly active on Instagram? I don't know. I don't know what Instagram does. <laughs> right? It's, it's like so the, these guys like behind curtains, like they have no idea <laughs> yeah. what the hell they're doing, the algorithm. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> weird. Just because I like, I am so certain I get the like little notification that like your profile may be deleted because you don't follow community guidelines and it'll show me like an entire report of all the times that I've been reported, like the, the time, the month, the date, the image that I got reported for. Um, and like, from what I've heard, once you get that, you get reported one more time, you get cut, but I've gotten that and then been reported and then I still haven't been cut. Um, 
so yeah I don't know it's super super weird but I kind of feel like that's also why I'm very pushy about it like I'm not like get reported I'm not gonna post like sexual drawings for like two months or like whatever I just keep doing it and just like keep doing it and like pumping it out um yeah just kind of like being testy with it like I really don't know what that have you gone to like Instagram jail where it's like frozen for a while no I've never had that happen to me either and I had a friend recently like get that Instagram jail like notification because they like replied something mean to like a troll on who was commenting on their like picture yeah um so yeah I was like I didn't even know that that was a function that Instagram did I didn't know they like blocked people or like barred people from like commenting for like a certain period of time um so yeah I don't know it's super weird and like I'm just like stating that's pretty wild I I would think that you would be like (laughs) oh yeah I'm in Instagram jail like every other week you know (laughs) I mean I thought I would be too I'm so surprised but it's it's also like like definitely or it's not like you're it's not like fucking I don't know porn or anything some like degrading I mean I have like you're I've been reported a lot of times for posting um like OnlyFans pictures like on my story um I got reported for adult sexual solicitation for including like my OnlyFans link on uh like the swipe thing on my story um so even that one especially I was like oh they're like like nabbing me now for like posting porn basically um and I still haven't been deleted so I don't know. That's pretty wild. Pretty <laughs> they're gonna see this interview and they'll be like, "Now nah, we're cutting." <laughs> yeah, <out."> totally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fingers but I also see your are. backup one. Your your backup Instagram, like in case I get deleted, is like is rising in followers. So you're like, you're gonna be once they finally do it, you know? Yeah, I know, right? I feel like it's a matter of time, but who knows? Like, I part of me feels like it might just be because my profile is big enough where they're like oh, this person's making Instagram money from advertising or something. I don't know like how that shit works, but I feel like they're keeping me around or something. (laughs) It's weird. Did your dad draw people? I know you said that you learned to draw people from your dad's art books. Yeah. um, So he was in art school when I was like a child and like learning how to like write and read and all of that um and so yeah he was taking a whole bunch of uh like live model drawing classes anatomy classes and all that stuff so he had a ton of books about it and when he wasn't home I would look through these books and just like try and figure out how to draw this stuff and then he would try and sit me down and like formally teach me like how to draw bodies. And I'm like, I hate this. I want to go outside and like. Write no, dad, I'm not interested. <laughs> Meanwhile, in your bedroom. like <laughs> Yeah, literally, I would go to school and like doodle faces like on the corner of my notebooks. Uh, I used to get in trouble so much for like not paying attention and just like drawing all the time. Um, but yeah, it was all just like anatomy books and just like people and faces. And he used to also just keep a sketchbook. And so like every time he would like take me to the park or whatever he would just sit and like just draw the people walking around like gesture drawings or whatever um so yeah that was like my intro to art and just like what kind of like piqued my interest as a kid and I just kind of like kept drawing that kind of stuff like when I got older even though I stopped drawing for like a lot of years when I was in college like once I started drawing again I was like definitely my favorite subject to like get back into it sounds like you like 
accidentally got into your destiny as a kid, like with the <laughs> yeah. stuff. I know it was there all along. I tried yeah. to, hold it, but like in the end, this was like what I love the most. Like this is your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any more questions, Gabe? Good questions. I want, yeah, yeah, I want uh, people. I want people who want relationship advice. This is what oh, I want to oh. do. I want to do love line. <laughs> And then we just sell no. no, I'm just kidding. If there's if there's none of those, then fine. Well, not yet. But it might come in now that you've asked. Yes. Uh, how about uh, are there any uh, are there any uh, friendly conventions that uh, you've either been to or recommend or um, or supportive uh, conventions? A tattoo convention or yeah, tattoo shows. Oh, have you been uh, to the Seattle tattoo convention? I have not. I wanted to go to that one, but ended up like never going. Um, I went to one convention. It was like my first or second year of tattooing. Um, and it was in Portland. It was whatever, like the Portland tattoo convention. So it was like super small. Um, but I just wanted to check it out. My shop was going. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll rent the booth for like one day and like check it out. And I did not like it. I hated it. It was like tattooing at the convention is very, very stressful. There's like a million booths, a million tattooers just like all over the place. There's like two stencil machines. So I'm like, Seriously? Oh you have like, to bring your own. That's the rule. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You can't around. Do it by hand or something. Yeah. I, I don't like them either. I don't like bringing all my ink. Well, actually, Ian makes fun of me for that because he just does black work. He has one black bottle ink. He's like, I love tattoo <laughs> conventions. They're great, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I need 45 different colors and they're all going to explode. And Yeah, and it's just like, it's just not ideal and comfortable to be tattooing with a bunch of people drinking and eating and like walking around and like looking at like what you're doing who don't know you aren't interested in your art or like anything like that you know they're just here to like hang out and stuff I swear it's last like, time I was at Seattle convention they put the two like gay shops beside each other and then it was like kind of fun you know but like most fun. of the time most of the time <laughs> I'm like nobody likes us here this year like <laughs> oh my gosh it was so funny because that year I like my entire flash book was like really abstract erotica and just like really weird and like nobody at the convention was like doing that kind of work because like more traditional stuff yeah so, like, a bunch of people would walk by and like oh check out my flash book and I see them open it and they're like Hmm. They just, like, <laughs> and just like nervously walk mm. away. I was looking like, for a skull. Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not the like audience. Like it's definitely a more just like universal mainstream audience. And everyone who went to that convention seemed like a little bit older. Um, I had I tattooed two people at that convention who only went to the convention because they saw on Instagram that I was like going and they came in to get tattooed by me. Yeah. So again, it's just like I prefer having that intimate connection of like somebody who has followed me on Instagram, who knows what I'm about. They like know what they're getting into. They have an idea of what they want. And then being able to have a conversation like without just like trying to like shout out to your client. They're like right there. <laughs> like, can yeah. you hear me? And, like, yeah. Each, I, each convention has like different like style flavors and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, some of them are pretty fun. But with the Queer Tattoo Alliance that we like organize here in the Bay Area, like our big dream is to have like a queer tattoo convention. That was like the whole thing. Like, yeah, do it, do it. My friends in Berlin. So bad. <laughs> my friends in Berlin at uh, Baby Berlin, they opened like the studio. They are, were trying to organize pre-COVID like a queer tattooing convention in Europe. Yes. And I was going to go to that. 
and I think it was going to be in August and I was like so stoked for this to like actually happen but then COVID happened um but yeah I think like once Dang, like that would be great it would be so fun like <laughs> I don't know that would be like super cool and I I think I would like the idea of going to a convention like in Europe or just like somewhere else because then I get to network and like socialize with other tattoo artists like that is for sure the cool part it's just like being in a space with a bunch of artists that you can walk around and talk to yeah um sometimes I like to go to the conventions with the shop and uh um not tattoo and just get drunk with all the artists after yeah I was gonna say like I I don't have to bring anything like yeah that I definitely in the future want to do that because I just want to work the booth be like you want a t-shirt cool I've been drunk (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) that sounds super fun yeah (laughs) I like that and they do like worry about the merch and stuff yeah yeah I guess yeah the best shirts obviously yeah Well, we've got a, probably the perfect uh, closing comment. Uh, uh, Kiera says, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Kiera says, did someone say love? <laughs> Always. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you need any advice? Come on, we got you. Right. It's my We're favorite. the most trustworthy, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love, so you can trust my opinion on it, I swear. <laughs> I know I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's it for us. Got any closing out statements, Gabe? Oh, or... <laughs> oh no, you. Yeah, so, so you both. So you both need to uh, let us know exactly where to find you and give all the the, the closing contact info. Oh, yeah, you're and, right. Uh, there is a whole the, closing the, thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, and the inspirational. <laughs> thing. Everybody, uh, oh, everyone's always pretty happy, but. Okay, well, uh, you can find me at Haley Adams Tattoos um, on Instagram. You can follow Brittany at Blah Bad. That's how I read it. How do you read it? B L A A B A D. So I guess. Yeah. Like somewhere in there. It was like a Yahoo generated like email with like my initials and my last name from like the early 2000s. So I just like kept that forever. But yeah. Um, and then there's also now an Instagram for Live in the Castro. It's at Live in the Castro SF, I believe. Um, and I think it's see. Live in the Castro Tattoo, right? Oh, Live in the Castro Tattoo. I think yeah, so. See how new it is? It's I think it's because I was trying to type it earlier and I was like, oh, it's not yeah. coming up. And then I had to look back. <laughs> but you can find any extra photos. I'll be posting random things on there. I just got the first two episodes transcribed. So I'm going to be figuring out where I can post those so they can be read instead of listened to. Um, And yeah, that's all I got. Gabe, you got anything? Awesome. No, I just want to let you all know that um, I'd be happy to help support your convention. I have all of the documentations and all of the stuff. You've thrown um, a lot of conventions. Yes, we need a fair to. amount, and they're they're quiet ones in the middle of nowhere. They're always friendly to all the communities. We want to empower everybody, and um, but yeah, like I said, if uh, I mean I'm, I wouldn't be able to organize uh, this one, but I would be able to give you all the information to to help. That's awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, your your mom says a great interview, and there actually was a little bit of uh, some questions about uh, 
uh, advice about talking to partners and whatnot, but I said that they should probably DM you directly because. Yes, yes. <laughs> I will do it. Actually, I did an Instagram questions today, so they can just throw it up like right now. <laughs> Perfect. Dang, I wanted to give Loveline advice. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give the worst advice, though. Nobody should trust me. We should do drunk love advice sometime. Yes, oh, Gabe, hook yes. us up. Don, you you let us know when. Uh, we'll figure out which, where the platform is. But uh, <laughs> yeah. well, actually, frankly, drunk critique is a is a fine platform for that. It, it doesn't say drunk tattoo critique. It's just drunk critique. So, or drunk yeah, advice. That would be great. Shit, I wonder we'll if drunk like, advice is. Who <laughs> love critique? Love critique. Perfect. Awesome. Well, well, thanks again. Uh, we're very excited for for next month's uh, episode, and uh, yeah, well, uh, everyone should be definitely checking out uh, the library and the actually every, every. Thank you very much. This is awesome. So excited to do yeah. it or to help. Y'all yeah. can listen to it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay. <laughs>